Hello, it's us. I'm Melody Hansen, Editor-in-Chief, and next to me is Lynn Wachgen, Managing Director of the Lützebäuer Journal. Why can you listen to this podcast for free? Well, we want to give you a sample of what we do. Did you know that you can read or listen to all of our articles in French, English and German? Even our podcasts are multilingual. We do slow news for everyone living and or working in Luxembourg. And we don't bombard you with news. Instead, we present you with the full spectrum of issues that really matter. Whether it's personal stories, politics, culture, finance and everything in between. And now, enjoy the episode. We get back to you later. Luxembourg Waffle with Nora and Theo. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Luxembourg Waffle podcast, where we chat about the multicultural aspect of living in Luxembourg. I'm your expat host, Theo, and as ever, I'm joined by Laura. Laura, how are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, we're recording this in the morning, actually, so we're just kind of walking here in Luxembourg City in the morning. It's pretty quiet still. Yeah, it's still a bit quiet, still a bit quiet, but I'm quite hungry though, because I had to rush here to do this recording. Uh, no breakfast for you? Yeah, no, had to skip that. Had coffee. <laughs> Does coffee count? We'll say it counts. Yeah, we'll I'd say, say so. But I signed in my calendar that I had the Luxembourg waffle uh, marked and I got a feeling to just eat a big Belgian waffle. Oh, Jesus, yes, I would love that too. I know, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah, you, you just gotta, you gotta find a spot here in Luxembourg City, though. We, there has to be one. I guess so. Mm. There's one important question related mm. to that, though. Mm. Are you a Belgian waffle type or a French gaufre type? I'm a Belgian waffle type. I mean, I studied in Belgium, so I would be betraying Oh, my, true. Yes. You're loyal. You're yeah, loyal. I, I'm staying loyal to the Liège waffles in oh, particular yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah. So, uh, but do you know what it, is, what it means to waffle? If you say you're waffling in, in England... Uh, it means to just kind of talk endlessly, vaguely about a topic. What we just do. Kind of ch- yeah, <laughs> that's why it fits for us. Yeah, But our guest would definitely know what it means because he is from England. Um, yeah, later on we'll be chatting out to Sam Miller. He's an English language teacher here in Luxembourg. Oh, that's nice. So stick around for that. He definitely uh, hears a lot of kids waffling uh, every <laughs> I guess <day>. so. <laughs> no doubt. So, so he'll tell us about that. Uh, and we'll chat about obviously about about education. So yeah, that's so, a good topic actually. Yeah, it's a big topic in Luxembourg. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, how was your time in high school, by the way? Um, I have to say I had a good time. Okay. But I was eager to get out of it, and I think like three months after I had my diploma, I wanted to get back because then I realized that being an adult has lots of responsibilities, really, like right. linked to it, and. In high school, everything's very chill. Mm. So, yeah, my time, I was in um, Ash in the, what we call Younger Lycée, which is the yeah. LGE high school for guys. It used to be just for boys back in the days. Okay. When my dad still went there. So I continued the family tradition. Yeah. And it was really nice. Uh, it was, yeah, kind of close to Pitcher, which is one of my favorite cafes there. So nice. pretty nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean... But you, you said you, if you felt like there were not a lot of responsibilities, and I'm sure that's true. But I feel like in Luxembourg, uh, kids become very, not adult-like, but <laughs> they're more mature in, in, in high school and stuff like that than, than elsewhere. I, I noticed it in uni when I saw people from Luxembourg and I thought they were 
maybe a little bit older or a, a year above, but no, they just finished high school or something. So I get a feeling. Okay, that's I don't interesting. Know. Can you confirm that or not? Um, since maybe it's, it's perception. I don't know. Yeah, since it's been quite a while since I was in high school myself, mm. uh, I can only speak for that generation, I guess. Mm. Um, because I have a younger brother, but he's also out of high school. <laughs> so, mm. um, but I think it really depends, probably. I feel like teen teenagers today are, in general, more mature due to the internet, maybe. Do you know what I'm wondering about, though? Um, the education system, like, from my point of view, as someone who hasn't been through it here, looks good. You come out of the whole thing, you know, three languages at least, probably yeah. more. Um, Uh, that that guy has to count for a lot, but then I just keep hearing people from here complain about it or or just say it's yeah. not good enough. Yeah, I think what's it's the a, deal? Yeah, so you have two aspects to that. You have primary school, which has gone through a lot of changes in the past years. So back in the days, you would just you could, as in I think every school over the world, you could fail a year and then just repeat it. Right now they have cycles, so you have always two years that are kind of linked together, mm. and you if you even if you don't have good grades you will still pass to the second year and you do a prolongation of the cycle. So it's only every uh, second year that you can fail, actually, which a lot of people don't agree with. Also, the grades before we had from 0.01 to 60, when well, 60 was the best you could get. And now they are down to A, B, C, D, which is, I think, not so comprehensible for many people. So that's one aspect. But when we're talking about high schools, I think um, it's difficult because you have so many nationalities in Luxembourg. The languages are kind of a problem for many people. Mm. So because, yeah, you used to really have to be good in every language um, and because all the other subjects would be in German or French too. So if you sucked at the language, you mm. would automatically not be good in that mm. specific class, although you might be good in biology. Just yeah. the language was a problem. Yeah. So they, they are trying to change that now also with like international schools and European schools. But then again, people who like the aspect of languages, they don't feel good about it because it was always like a big plus for Luxembourgish kids. Yeah. So when you entered, you wanted to enter university, like my parents' generation, for example, if you were a Luxembourgish person, you would always be admitted because of yeah. languages. Yeah. So it's kind of a balancing act, I guess. And that's what makes people feel good about not so good about one or the other way. Mm. I think that's the big deal. But we won't exhaust the whole topic yet. We've almost made it to the interview where we're going to talk to Sam. So let's get into it, right? Yes. See you in a minute. And we're back and we're sitting comfortably at the interview cafe. Me, Laura and our guest, Sam. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm well. I'm uh, just uh, taking in the uh, taking in the wonderful uh, wonderful atmosphere here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice cafe, actually. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> very chill, very chill. You, also, you chose it, mm -hmm. uh, I should say, because every time, uh, for every episode, we ask our guest to propose a spot. Yeah. Uh, any particular reason for the interview? Yeah, I've got a kind of vicarious love of this place from my wife 
because she uh, grew up in Lux- she's Luxembourgish, and she grew up in Luxembourg, and her and her friends used to come here when they were teenagers. Oh yeah, and drink tea and coffee, which I'm told almost every Luxembourger seems to have done. It must have been very busy at the time. Yeah, if you went to high school in Luxembourg City, yeah, yes. exactly. yeah for <laughs> sure. So for some reason, I quite like coming here and imagining my my wife as a teenager, sort of expounding slightly ill thought out philosophy and all these kind of things. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's 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 very uh, yeah. I've, I've got a strange kind of vicarious nostalgia for the place. Oh, that's nice. It was popular back in the days. I don't know for today's teenagers if it's still, but it was really popular back I then. I should know as a teacher, shouldn't I? But no, I, I don't know. You if may. You can ask them <laughs> next time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you can double check. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so you mentioned you're a teacher. Yeah. Uh, can you kick us off with a little bit of intro about yourself? How'd you end up in Luxembourg being a teacher and all that? So um, I was a teacher back in the UK, but then um, I, uh, my wife is Luxembourgish. And um, so we decided to live here because uh, obviously teaching is a really good career in Luxembourg. It and is. In the UK, less so, <laughs> um, sadly. Uh, and so we decided to move over here. Uh, my wife was already a teacher here. Um, and so I've worked across various different schools in Luxembourg. Um, I worked in a, 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 an all-girls Catholic school in the Ooh. north, which is delightful. Um, and then I worked in... Uh, uh, St George's, the, uh, the the British school. Oh, yeah. I, I did a little oh. bit of work in uh, another uh, Luxembourgish school in Redange. Okay. And then I now work at the European school. Nice. Yeah. A whole roadmap of all the education systems in Luxembourg in a bit. Yeah. So private and public schools? Or yeah, were they yeah. All? yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, I've, I've done kind of 50 50 of both in a weird kind of way. Uh, so I did, yeah, a few years at each one, kind of trying <laughs> to find a place that was what I wanted, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, my, uh, and then obviously my wife works in the, uh, the public sector. Uh, which is it's nice. <laughs> yeah, so you can see both uh, systems. Also. Yeah, I've got yeah. a weird foot in both camps in, <laughs> in, in, in many ways, um, you know, having a Luxembourgish wife as well. <laughs> mm, do you know what? I was telling Laura earlier that I feel like um, Luxembourgish students uh, grow up really fast, faster mm. than others. Can you give us your point of view on that? Like, they, they feel like a bit more adult-like to me than uh, students yeah. in Bulgaria, I would say. I think I think the thing I found interesting is that Luxembourgish students and Luxembourgish kids, they tend to have a very clear uh, realization from an early stage that the teacher is there to help them to do something they want to do. So they want to pass their exams, they want to get their back, all that kind of stuff. And so 90% of them figure out really early, here is this person who's here for free, to kind of get me to pass these exams, <laughs> I should probably work with them at some way. You've know, never in been in way. the South. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it's different in other schools. Yeah, I had a very, oh, very supportive, uh, supportive school group at the uh, all-girls uh, Catholic school oh, in yeah. the North. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, everywhere I've gone that I've worked with, you know, uh, worked with Luxembourgish young people, they tend to be quite clear on what they want and clear that you're there to help them Um, and the difference between that and say for example British students that they realize that much later okay they get to a point when they're about to take their GCSEs which you're taking at 16 in the UK um, and um, they've got these really important exams and they're suddenly like wait a minute I really want to pass these exams (laughs) and this teacher knows how to pass these exams maybe we can work something out here (laughs) maybe I don't have to spend the whole time antagonizing him <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so that was really nice um but i think there's also the thing that's really interesting about being luxembourg is the students uh there's a there's a very nice kind of innocence about them there's a kind of provincialism uh, that's there and it doesn't continue because in luxembourgish adults 
you know, most Luxembourgish adults who go to university go to a different country a and they move them, yeah. away, which yeah. very few, for example, British people do. Um, and so uh, Luxembourgish adults tend to be very kind of um, cosmopolitan and, you know, they're like, oh, in the time I lived in France and that's when I was living in Germany <laughs> or whatever it is. But the students, they've still got this wonderful kind of like feeling that the whole world is happening outside of Luxembourg <laughs> and we're just in here bubble. in this little bubble. Yeah, <laughs> which is really kind of sweet in a way and, and nice to teach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt. Do you know what I uh, found out recently? Uh, I don't know if that's the case or not yet. Laura, you can probably mm. let me know. But when students uh, graduate, hmm, is it the premiere? So the exam that they take yes. when they're yeah. Uh, back. Yeah, premier. yeah. Uh, their names would be printed in the newspaper. Oh, yeah. yes. With their results. Oh, <laughs> yes. With their grades and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can't, you can't hide savage. the fact that you messed the exam up. <laughs> no. Like, it's really My, disturbing. Yeah, it's like, true. Speaking as somebody who did not do well at their uh, <laughs> at their A-levels, I would have been horrified if people had been publicly... And it's not like... Because Luxembourg's a small country, it's not like people are going to miss it. Uh, like yeah, everybody, no, everyone reads it. Yeah, that's everyone true. Everyone reads it. Oh, you're the one who got... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think people think about it at that time, though. There is a feeling of kind of, uh, as a teacher, where you kind of, you, you live and die with your students, Aww. kind of ups and downs. So you get that moment where you're reading through the results, the results and you're like, oh, good for you, so-and-so, you managed to do that and I'm really pleased. But then you go through and you're like, oh, so-and-so had a bad day and it's, they've not done so well and that's not really reflective of who they are. And, you know, you feel a bit responsible, but yeah, it's, right. you know, right. it's, it, it's still most of the time people do all right. <laughs> so what's the best thing that, about being a teacher in Luxembourg for you? Um... I think there are a few things. Uh, I think it, 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 it differs depending on which sector you work in and um, also who you hang out with. Because if you hang out with Luxembourgers, teaching is viewed as a kind of... Uh, there's A lot of people view teaching as a kind of lazy profession. It's sort of one that's viewed as kind of a bit cushy. A lot of holidays, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so that, that's a bit strange. But like, yeah, compared to the way that teachers are viewed in British society, which is as kind of sort of desperate people who have <laughs> slightly failed at another career and teaching was the only option. Very different I, from I here. Sh- yeah, <laughs> I, should, I, I should preface that with not saying not all teachers are viewed that way. And of course, most teachers are not those kind of people. But um, I've worked with wonderful people in the British education system. But I think there is that kind of perception that okay. you've, you've failed at something else or you couldn't do other things, so you went into teaching, yeah. which is not true. Most people do it for the love of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I mean, it's here, a tough job, real you know? feel- Yeah, and here there's a real feeling of like, you're an expert in doing this and you've trained for a long time and it's difficult to become a teacher. And so that's really nice. There's a sort of sensation of feeling that your job is it's valued, and right, valued. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Um, and then the other thing I like about it is um, it's a lot more autonomous here. Um, one of the things that you find if you work in the British education se- sector or indeed most other education sectors is you've got a lot of top-down directives. So you just go, okay, you know, some, somebody will come in. Like a good example of this is uh, when I was teaching in the UK, Michael Gove came into power and he said, okay, now every text that we learn in GCSE has to be um, uh, by an English, you know, British person. It has to be by a Scots, you know, Scottish person, Welsh person, English person, or Northern Irish person, which is ignoring, you know, this wealth of incredible literature from around the world and is so, you know, protectionist and provincial and, and you know, backwards thinking. But it was the style at the time, uh, as we now know. Um, whereas here, you know, I remember turning up to my first job and I was like, okay, so what books are we teaching? And they were like, 
whatever you want. You choose, so yeah. yeah just, <laughs> you know, if you if you want to go on a real crazy one and try and teach your, you know, your 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 thirteen year old fourth language English speaking kids how to read Shakespeare poetry, you, you can go do. right ahead. Yeah, good luck with that, but you can. <laughs> I didn't, but <laughs> I could have done, and that freedom is very very uh, exciting. If you'd done it, they probably would have used AI to uh, generate all the essays that yeah, you they asked would them now. to. Now it's crazy. Yeah, I've, I've had quite a few AI essays essays in. I have. Yeah. yeah, they don't realize though the thing that they're always like, how could you possibly tell it was AI? Like I haven't plagiarized it. I was like, well, because normally you struggle to remember to write the S on, you know, it, it, it you can tell, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And they hear you're writing that. And then you'll find that in the fourth part of the novel, you there's a certain tone that moves towards an atmosphere. And you're like, this doesn't sound like you, me old son. <laughs> you know, I worked this out in the same way I used to work it out when kids got their dad or their mum to write the essay. Like technically it's not plagiarized, but it's obviously not by you. <laughs> How's your Luxembourgish? Um, no, it's, it's, it's okay. Like, it's a weird one because I've learned it largely through uh, being around Luxembourgish people, working in Luxembourgish schools. Which is my the best wife. way, no? To learn it? I'm yeah. not sure it is. No? Um, <laughs> like, in the, I now have reached a point where I understand it quite well uh, particularly if they're talking about uh, a Lexus that I'm familiar with like education if you yeah. want to talk about education I'll understand what you're talking about whereas if you want to talk about light opera it's going to be more of an issue um, but like in terms of speaking it I lack a great deal of confidence and it's partly because I think it's very difficult to convince Luxembourgers to speak Luxembourgish with you yeah. when they know you struggle with it yeah you we've had that, that before <laughs> it's, sorry, it's sort of people I think they think it's kind of impolite because you're sitting there struggling through a sentence they're like we can just speak in I speak English it's yeah. or French or whatever you like you know we'll just and then you're like no I'm trying to learn yeah that's what we get a lot so yeah yeah and we're trying to be polite with it and make life easier for others but sometimes you offend people with that because you yeah. of course you say your Luxembourgish is not so good so I will yeah, switch implicitly, to yeah. your language because it makes it easier but so. there's also that one the most Luxembourgish thing in the world is that thing when people uh, you're in a shop and you walk in and I'll start speaking Luxembourgish or whatever it is to try and but then they'll they'll realize I'm English and then switch to English and then apologize oh. as if somehow they should have like intuited my Englishness from my <laughs> demeanor you know and they'll just be like oh, I'm so sorry let's speak it like, no no <laughs> you guys are too accommodating Laura I'm sorry there you go there you go something that British people and uh, that are like being way too polite but uh, we'll, we'll get there anyway <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we will how, how about a phrase of the day oh Laura? yeah let me check them up because I I always have to kind of choose some that are fitting for the topic, I guess, because there's just so many. Luxembourgish is a very vast language. Um, yeah, so I tried to find some that are kind of, that you could use actually uh, to, like, with your students. <laughs> None of them speak Luxembourgish because I work at the European <laughs> school, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. But maybe you can surprise them and yeah, give them some, yeah, secret words. So the first one is if you're really scolding someone, And you don't actually do it anymore, but you would say at Gedang on Dachau. Say again. At Gedang on Dachau, which literally means I'm going to hit you in your neck. I was going to say. Which, of course, no one would do today, but it's. One would hope. <laughs> but I suppose it's quite similar to the pain in the neck yeah. expression in English. Probably, yeah. You know. Yeah. But so, yeah. 
I remember my grandparents, they would use it. And they, if they were scolding you or you did something wrong, it would be like, be like, be cautious. You're going to get one in the ack hole. So. My, nan, my nan would regularly threaten to skin me alive. She'd say that a lot. She'd say, I'll skin wow. you alive. That's, <laughs> wow. that's evil. <laughs> it's really graphic. Looking back on it, it was just an expression that my nan used. But looking back on it with a more kind of literal sense, it's like, <laughs> oh. Yeah, Torture. Where, where did she get that idea from? I don't know. <laughs> skin your life. Damn, I would be scared to death. This is, this is the same woman who once told me never to trust a man who doesn't wear a belt because he's too eager to take his trousers off. So she had very practical views about the world and oh, her yeah, sayings. <laughs> Words of wisdom. I like that. Are you Words guys wearing a belt? Mm. Yeah, I have, <laughs> I have everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm safe, okay. <laughs> so yeah, before it gets more graphic, let's go to the next one. Um, so it's the same. Actually, it has the same sense. So it's also if you scold someone. Um, and it means in umbotschen. Not one I know. In umbotschen. Um, I don't know if you could translate it like directly, but it also means if you just... Are harsh on someone because they did something wrong and then if you yeah are really harsh on them and and scold them in a like a tough way you're gonna embutch them so yeah those are two my favorite current one in luxembourgish that, uh, that confuses me uh, in its origins is um the word for your parents-in-law because i got married in june and so i now quite regularly talk about my parents-in-law um, which in Luxembourgish is schwer altren, um, <laughs> which literally translates as difficult parents or heavy parents. <laughs> yes, yes heavy parents, yes. It's like, like, who was the first person to use that expression? How did they get it to be like a thing? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, yeah, these are my parents and these are my difficult parents. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's true for a lot of couples, so maybe that's where it comes I from. I have wonderful, wonderful parents-in-law, I hasten to add, so very much not either heavy or difficult, but... But, um, you know, yeah, linguistically, I just thought it was really weird. Yes, it's true. It's true. That's an interesting fact. Yeah. Right. I think it's a good moment to chat about stereotypes as in every episode. Oh, yes. We have means. a couple. Of- Best part. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say for English people specifically, um, because we had a Scottish person just yeah. before, uh, I had to dig out some more specific. But some, there's a lot of British English uh, covering up here and there. But anyway, let's dive into it. The English stereotypes. Uh, this one is actually, I didn't even have to research that. This one's for me because uh, <laughs> in American it. people think British people or English people are just posh and very proper and us over here on the continent uh, have a completely different image from English people <laughs> yeah. just mostly going to pubs and getting plastered. And where, being where dressed is... very shortly, even in winter. <laughs> yes. Shouting chips at bemused waiters. <laughs> mm. Yes. Um, where does it rank? It's probably the truth is somewhere in between. I think, th- I think it's more that the truth is who you notice in particular cultures. So like here... Um, the ones, not so much in Luxembourg, but in continental Europe particularly, um, and particularly in holiday destinations, you notice the drunk, loud British people 
because they're drunk and loud and you don't notice the quiet British person who's actually learned a bit of French and is having a cup of coffee in the background, because why would you? Um, and I think the difference in America is that um, uh, Americans sort of, they, they interact with British culture a lot more readily and a lot more regularly because they've got lots of Brits and they've got that heritage of Britishness yeah, and history, they speak yeah. English. And, you know, so you, they will more likely to meet more of the uh, slightly soft-spoken, <laughs> less drunken, shouty Brits. <laughs> mm. um, but I suppose if you went to, you know, uh, I don't know, if you went to Florida uh, or somewhere like that where they're going on holiday to get drunk, then you probably, the Brits have less of a great reputation. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yikes. But, but in terms of the dressing in the wrong clothes for the time of year, you know, I mean, that's, that's definitely yeah. true. My wife regularly will just turn to me in absolute horror and go, you're not going out wearing that, are you? Like, it's a jumper, it's, you know, spring, I'm fine. Yeah, it <laughs> should be okay. You know, she'll look at me as if I'm embarking on a polar expedition in shorts. <laughs> but it's fascinating. I was, last year I was in Swansea and this spring I went to Wales again, to Cardiff. And it's really fascinating if you go out in the early evening, because here people go out later at night and in, in Britain they go out like, yeah, fairly early. And I was also dressed because it was always in winter. So I was dressed like in my scarf and hat and everything. They were just like in their mini skirts. Yeah, nothing like crop top. And it's just like, how are they not dying of Well, it's because you, <laughs> you have to pay to, uh, to, to, to check your coat. Yeah, here And so too. they're like, well, I'll just, it's only it's only 10 minute walk. I'll just walk briskly. It'll be fine. You know. I think alcohol helps with that probably. Yeah, At definitely. some point you don't feel it anymore. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. Horrendous <laughs> binge drinking culture has saved us from frostbite. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking about tourists, as you mentioned, there's the big old stereotype or trope of the British person getting burned to a crisp uh, when they go on holiday. I, I would love to debunk that, but to be honest, it happens to me every holiday. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, I'm not quite the kind of... If you sit in Gatwick arrivals uh, or, or Heathrow arrivals and you watch people coming past, and I mean, it, it, it's frankly astounding. They look like, you know, they look like they're wearing face paint. Um, right. And you sort of think, like, surely at some point you'll have gone, this is really painful, maybe I'll just stay out the sun for a bit. Or use more sunscreen. (laughs) The minute you're abroad, you've got to spend every minute in front of the sun. This is the only time we actually get any sun. Recharge that vitamin D (laughs) for the whole year. Yeah, I can't put sun cream on. It gets between me and the sun. (laughs) Um, But no, I also burn very, very easily. And um, my my wife, again, will periodically uh, attack me with sun cream uh, when she thinks that I'm in in danger and I I tend to forget to put it on. So (laughs) yeah, that that one's pretty true. (laughs) <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, another thing British people love to do is queuing, yeah. lining up for things. Oh, I love queuing. Genuinely, like a really... But the proper way. On the right side for it. Yeah. On the right yeah, side. No, see, I'm not, a huge, I'm not a huge etiquette queuer. The thing I like is um, organic queuing. It's that moment when like, and you'll see it mostly in Britain, but Luxembourgers are pretty good at queuing actually. And it's that thing where there's a big crowd of people and there's one thing you're all trying to get at and they just automatically form a lovely snaking queue. <laughs> and with no direction and no kind of organization from out the outside, it's just, you know, it, it, just, it just happens. And you sort of, you know, and people kind of make these, you see people making these little judgments of fairness between each other. It's like, oh, I think you were here for, oh, maybe you were, okay, you know, you can That's go so here. Polite. It's just it is, so polite. It's so polite. It's so, but like, there's something wonderful about that because there's a sense of fairness about it. 
which is really sweet. And like, I think it's not that kind of, we're all barging for the same thing. It's just like, yeah, we're going to get in the queue because it's fair. And that's how ah. do. So people, I do get that, yeah. Are people going to tell other people off if they don't, if they try oh. to press forward? Um, yeah, my, my, <laughs> my brother was uh, nearly arrested in, uh, in Istanbul airport for... Um, punching somebody who skipped the queue. Oh. <laughs> That's drastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, for, fortunately he wasn't because he speaks Turkish and they were very, his wife's Turkish. And they, so they were, they were quite relaxed with him after they found them out about him. But uh, yeah, there was a moment there. <laughs> that could have, that could have been a story. But morally I'm on his side. <laughs> yeah. I, I can relate to that. Here people will, will be like that too. Maybe not punch, but they will scold you and be like, hey, hey, hey there's the line, go back yeah. there. <laughs> I think, again, like that's the right thing to do. You know, don't skip the line. <laughs> uh, apparently, big lovers of fridge magnets from anywhere. Yeah, that's weird. I've never heard that stereotype. But it's also true. <laughs> like of me in particular, we've got loads. Of, in fact, one of my saddest discoveries on moving to Luxembourg was the fact that my fridge isn't magnetic. Oh, the new ones are often aren't. Yes, yeah, no, it's yeah. just it's got like a plastic frontage, so you can't put fridge magnets on it. So now they're all they all live on the radiator next to the fridge in the too. kitchen. <laughs> In the bathroom, like a separate yeah. toilet. <laughs> but I wouldn't have described that as a British thing. But now that you mention it. <laughs> Let's move on to talking about something else. The fact that you are married to a Luxembourgish person. Yeah. Yeah. How how is it for you to be um, in a relationship with someone who's a local person? Does that is it a crutch more so than being um, a plus? No, I don't think it is. Um, I think it's it, for me. It's been this sort of doorway to a kind of Narnia-esque world of Luxembourgish localism because I think as, as an expat you know uh, you don't have access to a lot of it particularly if somebody doesn't fluently speak Luxembourgish and it's not that Luxembourgers don't want you there and it's not that there's a kind of um, anti-foreign feeling about it it's just you don't end up at those events yeah it's, you know. there's no mingling actually yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know unless you meet through work or unless you live next door you probably don't know that many Luxembourgish people Whereas with me, my friends are Luxembourgish in Luxembourg and my, you know, my wife is Luxembourgish. And as a result, I kind of, yeah, I have this little secret in. And so there's all these sort of, uh, you know, uh, little elements of Luxembourg that I'm not sure that expats get to experience a lot. And I think that's really, there's something very exciting about that. Mm. What's something that you never would have found out about Luxembourg unless <laughs> my wife's going to kill me? Um, <laughs> So no, only because like this is not representative of Luxembourg, you know, but like these, I mean, there's, of course, there's the wonderful and weird festivals like the, the, I think you'll remember, you'll remind me the name of it. The one where you burn crosses. In oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bushbrennen. Yes. The one. Which happens <laughs> I can in never spring. remember the name of it. There's a really, that's a weird one. But like, I remember going up to Viltz, uh, to, um, there's the Lantern Festival up there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, it's one of those things that I, everybody there was Luxembourgish. Yeah. It's and I was true. walking around and like it's beautiful thing and it's there's a kind of poetic yeah, true. joy yeah. about it because it's up you know they've got this wonderful park that goes up up the side of a hill in kind of steps and all of these you know floating lanterns illuminated yes. in the dark it's really and beautiful yeah wonderful thing and like and it's well advertised actually but for some reason it's one of those events that luxembourgers go to it's, and true. That, it's a family thing also yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But, you know, that's the sort of thing, you know, you just end up at these events or like a, I went to a, a music festival in a train station. Oh, like yes. at a train, yeah. I can't remember again what it was it's called. It's probably but. in... Uh, Ha, huh, yeah. What's it called? I can't remember. La Down Sauvage? South, yeah. yeah, La yeah. Sauvage next to Diffa yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was absolutely, you know, again, like, packed with Luxembourgers and it was brilliant we had a great time and I mean to be fair most of these events boil down to drinking beer and eating Wurst and all that kind of stuff which is the other wonderful uh, cultural Luxembourgish pastime but you know but I like they're they're amazing and I, I really yeah so I feel really grateful to have that and that uh, that inroad you know uh, that most it's a shortcut have. it's yeah, exactly. like a little side door to yeah, get exactly. into Luxembourgish society <laughs> uh, would that stop some people into doing their proper efforts to integrate, being like, oh, I have this relationship. So I'm, that's a really I'm interesting question. rely on that. Yeah, I probably would have spent more time in the Luxembourgish uh, uh, sort of social scene. Um, but, you know, I'm not a young man anymore. You can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't be spending all my evenings going out and, you know, carousing. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not anymore. <laughs> certainly not anymore, as you will also uh, have a child on the way. Yeah, which is terrifying and uh, exhilarating <laughs> at the same time <laughs> so maybe for listeners it's your first child so that's yes why, it is yeah. my first child yeah uh which is you know i'm sure it gets uh less terrifying and more exhilarating the more children that you have but for the time I think being it depends it's... on the children you get <laughs> if <laughs> the they're first, like Ooh. the first one turns out to be a dud <laughs> <laughs> what's it gonna be <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. I've heard that the the first nine months are the easy part, and it's, what happens after yes. is the difficult part. The next eighteen years will be. <laughs> the terrifying thing about being a teacher is that you kind of when you when you're about to have a kid is that you're like I know kids that I really you know they're lovely kids and they're really trying and they're doing their best, but I you know I wouldn't want them in my house all the time. <laughs> <laughs> best will in the world you know and uh yeah and i think you also kind of being a teacher you get this strange kind of um sensation of like i'm good with kids and i know what i'm doing with kids and you have to remind yourself that you're good with a very brief a very brief time in a kid's life within a very specific subject so like if my son ever comes up to me and wants to know about renaissance poetry then i'll be absolutely well prepared but the rest of life i've got nothing <laughs> <laughs> everything else exactly yeah yeah well let's hope your wife has uh, that covered then oh, she'll be fine she's she's good at everything <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> you can team up then uh, he, here's another thing though that i think um merit's talking about the Dungeons and Dragons events that you do. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just a social event like any other and you're getting together to to, to, to play a game. Um, but for, for those people listening who haven't played Dungeons and Dragons, it's essentially a, it's a storytelling game. So you uh, get together and collaboratively tell a story using a combination of kind of your own imagination and rolling dice to introduce a random element into it. So if you want to try and do something, you can do whatever you want and you roll a dice to see if it happens the way you want it to happen or if you catastrophically fail at it whatever it is my group that i play with in luxembourg consists of my brother-in-law who's luxembourgish and then uh you know my two luxembourgish friends and my bosnian friend and so it's a really nice kind of mix of people who are uh you know who are, and, and and we all speak english and obviously it requires a particular lexis so there are those moments when somebody would be like guys can somebody tell me what's the difference between a great axe and a battle axe and a hand axe and like, these are situations you just don't get in the classroom you know 
<laughs> Definitely not. And words that none of us know in Luxembourgish as well. Probably not. No. It's better that You'll you be do it in English. You'll be shocked to hear that they uh, don't publish the D&D textbooks and uh, uh, manuals in Luxembourgish. <laughs> You've got French or German. Those are your options. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to, uh, I don't know, integrate, chat with people, get to, does it, how long is the session, more or less? That really depends on the people. I tend to run short sessions, which uh, short is two hours. Um, but like, I've, I have run with friends of mine, ones that have lasted from when we, so my bachelor party, my uh, brothers, we all play together online. Uh, and uh, so my brother's my best friend and my 14-year-old my nephew, we all play together. And uh, we got, um, uh, for my bachelor party, we just rented out this place in uh, the UK and played D&D uh, for most of the time. And so we woke up in the morning, had a couple of you know cups of tea and whatever, and then started playing D&D and finished in the evening. And so you can, it, it, you know, if, you're, if you've got the stamina and you enjoy it enough, you can keep going for as long as you want to keep going you know and that campaign that we've been running they've been playing the same characters for three years i think oh, and wow, we meet okay. every week you know oh, yeah okay is the community big in luxembourg do you have a lot of people that play um no and i uh, funnily enough i was going to try and start up a community in luxembourg um the difficulty being that um when i was kind of just starting to have that idea and starting to think about putting out feelers to get it organized i learned i was going to be a father for the first time and i suddenly was like yeah my wife is probably going to get quite annoyed if I disappear three evenings a week to play this fantasy board game <laughs> while she's left with our newborn child. So I thought, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll save that one for when, you know, when he can take care of himself a little bit more. And I can be like, yeah, you look after yourself, Junior. I'm off to, <laughs> off to slay some dragons. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. love that. Save that for a moment when you need an escape from reality well, or exactly. something. Or indeed when I can bring him. <laughs> or <laughs> that. play as well. So how long have you been living in uh, Luxembourg then? So uh, I was trying to work this out with my wife the other day. Uh, five years, I think we came to the conclusion. There you go. Um, five years. In August. Uh, so yeah, it's been quite a Fairly while. settled down. Yeah, yeah. I Quickly as well for five years. It's a... Uh... Well, again, like my, time. my wife had a life here already. And yeah, so, so you I could kind just of, tag along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was a bit of that at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so it's me again. Hello. <laughs> you know, kind of piggybacking on, <laughs> on her whole life yeah. structure. But no, I think you, you know, equally, um, I found it quite... I found it quite easy to integrate here because uh, a lot of the things that you as a British, like you realize when you go abroad as a British person, the weird things that you find more important that you'd like to admit, like politeness is one of those things. <laughs> like I really struggle when people are rude and I really get cross. And, you know, Luxembourg is a polite country. People are very polite and they're very kind of, you know, people are really deferential in the street or whatever it is. And, you know, you do that lovely thing that you do in Britain as well, where you're walking towards somebody in the street and you go one way and then you go the other. And <laughs> you have a little giggle about things like people don't do that. And like in France, they just get annoyed with you. It does, <laughs> like, yeah, Stop it. What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> and we say hi to strangers on the street, too. If you have a walk in your like hometown, you say hi to everybody. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Walking around. And, and my favorite one is cyclists will slow down yes. to say hello to you. Oh, yes, they You're do. walking along and they slow down and like, Moyan! And then you <laughs> <laughs> cycle it's on. True. It's like a sort of uh, a whimsical Enid Blyton novel. Uh, would you say Luxembourg for you is now your home, 100%? Uh, it's a tough one for me because yes absolutely like I don't see myself leaving Luxembourg um, you know I mean maybe who knows in the future whatever um, and I, but I don't see myself living in Britain again um, at least in the foreseeable future 
but I am still inescapably British, <laughs> you know? I mean, with a voice like this, I'm sitting here drinking a cup of tea, you know, I'm talking reverentially about queuing, you know, I'm inescapably British. Uh, and you can't, you know, you can't get round that really. And so like, yeah, it's definitely home. Um, but I think feeling Luxembourg as part of my identity is something I aspire to more than something that I have right now in that like, I'd love to feel that, but without a better ability to speak the language, without more feeling of the culture, you know, I, I learn it specifically because I would like to have it as part of my culture and I'd like to feel it, you know, it's going to be part of my, my children's culture and all that yeah, kind of otherwise stuff. Otherwise they have a secret language that can, they can use against you. Yeah, I know. That's uh, what that, people that do. That does slightly <laughs> terrify me because, you know, best will in the world, my Luxembourgish, I'm going to do my absolute utmost with it, but uh, I'm not good at learning languages. <laughs> I always found it uh, tricky that you, you learn it the, the phonetic way, yeah. but then you can't write it. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll just kind of come to terms with it. That's um, it, to be fair. That's how I speak French, to be honest. Like, cause I learned I learned French working in a flea market, and so my French is like it, it, it's really good if you want to uh, tell me where to move a piece of furniture. Um, but it's a bit questionable when we get onto anything formal. So, like, I get sent you know formal documents uh, you yeah, know, from okay. the government or whatever it is. Well, Sam, final question, and that's a hypothetical one, uh, as ever. It's our favorite. Let's Yeah, so it's our, it's our low-key favorite. Let's say you are hypothetically leaving Luxembourg tomorrow. Uh, you're obviously not because you have a child. <laughs> Kick uh, me out. But, uh, <laughs> but if you were, uh, what is the last place that you would visit in Luxembourg to remember the country by? Can be t time-specific, you know, Christmas market, uh, anything. Bourbon and okay, this is going to be a weird one. Uh, but like when I first started working here, I was working in Ettelbrook in a small school. Uh, and I loved it. I really lovely school, lovely people, really sweet atmosphere. Um, but uh, I'm lactose intolerant. And so one of the things that you learn very quickly is that you don't eat canteen food. Like you, because they were really sweet. It was actually delicious, the food there, but like quite regularly, it's just because you make it in large amounts, it gets mixed up with others. So I would quite regularly just go out of the school, go to the local shop and grab a baguette and some hummus or whatever it was and just, you know, eat, eat lunch. Um, and I would do that in Ettlebrook city center. And in Ettlebrook city center, it sort of all surrounds the church in the middle of the town. And at the back of the church, there's a lovely bench that not many people know exist. And it's, it's a really nice, and it's like, it's, it's just out the back and it's a very quiet street, but people come by and um, they're always having sort of, you know, lovely languorous conversations because they're walking, you wouldn't, there's no reason to go there otherwise. <laughs> so you get these people walking past having lovely conversations and there's, yeah, just sitting there and, watching people and it's how I started to learn Luxembourgish and it's also um that kind of slow feeling that Luxembourg sometimes has I wish I really like actually and it, that's there as well and then that kind of calm and it it calmed me down when I was kind of stressed about being a, a useless monolinguistic foreigner <laughs> in this cosmopolitan country where everybody's like no no what do you mean you don't speak nine languages oh. <laughs> you know and so yeah that was a very calming place and yeah I'd sit there for an hour or two Right then, I think we've just about reached to the end of uh, our chat. Thanks a lot, Sam. It was lovely to talk to you. Oh, lovely to talk to you guys as well. I, I hope I gave some sort of interesting insight into yes. the British Luxembourgish immigrant's mind. I feel uh, reinvigorated to uh, 
discover all the tiny places in Luxembourg that yeah. actually no one knows about yeah. but are yeah. quite neat. Find your own tiny place. That's exactly. the thing. Find your own happy place <laughs> in Luxembourg. Don't go to that bench now. No, no, no. Otherwise, it would be crowded. I'll kick you out if you're there when I'm trying to go there. But otherwise, it's all yours. Yeah, that, that's Sam's bench. Uh, find your bench. Uh, find your spot. Um, right, and thanks, Laura, as well for Thank co-hosting you. this. And uh, big thanks to our uh, producer, Daniel Nepshin. And of course, to everybody listening to this podcast. We'll catch you in a few weeks' time. Until then, take care. See ya. Luxembourg Waffle. Hello again. Head to journal.lu and subscribe. You can also find further information in the show notes.